Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on Play Your Bigger Game with Rick Tamlin. Rick Tamlin inspires people to be their best. His purpose is to encourage and assist others so that when they reach the end of their life, they can say, boy, that was a great life. Rather than, I wish I had done that. I wish I had done more. Rick is the author of the book, Play Your Bigger Game, a coach, a motivational speaker, and above all, Rick makes you lead and play a bigger game in life. Welcome, Rick. I am thrilled to be here, Deepa. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Rick, tell us, what got you to write the book, The Bigger Game? I want to be really transparent. Laura Whitworth, one of the co-founders of the Coaches Training Institute, God bless her. She's no longer with us on this side of the experience of life. She has passed on to the other side. And yet she was a very strong voice in my development, as well as the Coaches Training Institute in general. And she was working on this philosophical context of helping people create more, bring more of themselves to the world. And this, she gave it a name, Bigger Game. Uh-huh. And she called me one day and said, hey, listen, I'm working on this philosophy and do you want to be a part of this conversation? And I was all in. And it turned itself into a model, into a philosophy. You know, now it's a keynote. It's a Hay House published book, which is a, a, an honor to be in that world. So it's, it came out of our own hunger to activate other people's hunger. Uh-huh. Because our philosophical underpinning is having your life be designed by a bigger game will create who you want to become. So I'll just say that sentence another way, like playing a bigger game will design who you want to become. Mm-hmm. And so bigger game in that context, it's a, li- a little bit metaphoric, but it's like, what are you up to? What do you want to create with your life? And this is the key part that you don't know how to do, but it's grabbed your imagination and it's grabbing your heart and your soul and your sort of deepest self and says, this must be. And, you know, this must be in the world or my world. Let's be careful of the whole world, mm-hmm. right? And we all know people sort of in the public space, you know, in the fame game, if you will, that have done things like this, you know, in our country, in the United States, Aaron Brockovich is a great example. The movie Aaron Brockovich, you know, is a woman, no education, no nothing, you know, looking for a job and gets involved in this thing about people dying from um, a, you know, cancer in bad water in upstate New York. And this is not okay with her. And she decides to do something about it. So she's, a, she's the quintessential example of how a bigger game grabbed her and changed her life. Now, who did she become? She became a great fundraiser. She became a public speaker. She became a leader, never took a leadership course in her life. So it's a great example of let the bigger game design your life rather than trying to figure it out yourself. So there's the philosophical underpinning. It's a model it, because when we start to look at our life from sort of a game way, it's not so intense and significant. And let me be careful though. I want to say it does not mean by the way that life is not meaningful. So I want to be careful game means, oh, it's just playful. This is about creating a meaningful, powerful life. So can you give a personal example? What got you to create and become who you are today? When you look back on life, you realize, 
oh, oh, there's that dot connects to that dot and that dot connects to that dot. You don't know it when Mm -hmm. you're in it, but you look back and you see the dots connected. So here's a dot to connect. I was elected president of my youth group in my church when I was 16 years old. And I remember walking into the minister's office at the beginning of the school year, and he always met with the president of the youth group at the beginning of the year. And I said, I don't know where it came from, but I said to him, I am not interested in doing the same old stuff we do in this youth group. I am bored. I can't stand it. We got to do something dramatic and big. Mm. I remember Mm -hmm. saying that. And the bottom line is this was 1973, you know, and back then these kinds of things that I'm going to tell you didn't happen. But we ended up going to a really poor part of my country and building houses for 10 days, like 35 kids raised all this money to get on planes and go down and rebuild houses and be with these people who were very poor. And we had a transformational week, right? Now that was a bigger game example. And the whole year was, you know, geared towards that event. Fundraisers, we now bowled, but we bowled for dollars. We now had dinners, but we had dinners to raise money. So the whole thing had a cause behind it. I mean, you could say bigger game is a good Mm -hmm. cause. So that's a clear example of a bigger game. Here's the coolest part of the story. And I make it really brief. We get home from the event. Now the minister says to me, so in two weeks, you're going to give the sermon from the pulpit inside the church. You know, I'm 16 years old and I'm like freaking out. And so I, I remember this vividly. I wrote this really great sermon from my heart, you know, and, but it's all written out. And I get up into the pulpit and I look down into the audience, the audience, sorry, the congregation, <laughs> they're a congregation and, you know, a couple hundred people. And I realize reading this script is not going to do it. <laughs> and so I just turn the script over and I speak from my heart about this experience and what it did for me, meeting these people, what they were like, what their struggles were. And I show these pictures of this place we went to. It was called Anvil, Kentucky, little tiny town. And there's not a dry eye in the house. I can even feel it today. I am crying from the stage. They're crying in the audience. And in that moment, I learned about leadership. I learned about impact. I learned about how do you move people? Because good leaders move people, both emotionally and physically. My tiny little impact in that one year has some legacy. Hmm. So from a very young age, you started playing a bigger game. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the dot to connect. And then Laura talks to me years later and I'm like, yes, you're right. And I now have a story that backs up the philosophy. Can you say a little bit more about the model? Yeah, it has nine elements. Again, like a tic-tac-toe board or a... a, um, and it's a guide for a conversation. And, you know, there's words on it. I won't go through all of them, but, you know, the things like compelling purpose. You know, what's your compelling purpose? Another square is comfort zones. What are your comfort zones that are getting in your way? What are the ones that are working for you? Allies, can't do it alone. Another key word on the bigger game board. In the center square is bold action. Without bold action, there's just a nice conversation. So what I love to explain to people when I do it as a keynote or a workshop is the words on it are not new. The conversation it creates is new because it's a conversation guide. So what is different about this conversation than most other conversations that people usually have? Yeah, well, it's, as I said, it's sort of guided. It's like it puts people into a, you know, let's talk about your comfort zones. What's going on over there? Let's talk about your compelling purpose. Do you have one? Have you even heard the terminology? You know, 
what do you need to invest in to have your bigger game made real? Or, or what is your bigger game unto itself? That's so true. We don't walk in and ask people, no. what's your biggest dream or what's your bigger game? What would you do if you gave yourself full permission? Where are you not taking risks in your life? We don't usually no. have these conversations. We kind of want to somehow make play it safe. We have safe conversations. Yeah, well, we, well, I mean, you know, think public conversations are sort of the, as you said, they're safe, but they're informational. You know, what do you do? You know, how are you? Like, that's exactly. fine. That's sort and of, it's but, embarrassing. you know, and you it's and me, we're people who like to have bigger conversations. You know, we want to move people forward. You know, we're, we can't help ourselves. We've like, we get in front of a human is like, okay, what's going on with your life? And how can we move it to the next level? You know, thus I'm on your podcast about high, you know, high achievers, right? Like that's that energy. Like, how do we help them sort of go to the next level without burning out? Because another key part of the bigger game model is sustainability. And that means sustaining self. It's not about sacrificing self. So you have to take care of yourself in the middle of a bigger game. Otherwise you burn out and you get resentful and pissed off and you know, so I just one more big distinction around bigger game that I say in the keynote a lot. It's called bigger game. It's not called bigger goal. So I'm not a goals coach or trainer. I hate the word. I hate it. And every organization loves the word, right? And I, I say this on stages and they go, oh my God, you've, you know, you're the antichrist right now. You've just made goals wrong. And I couch it and I say, no, goals are fine. But I promise you, when you focus on a bigger game, your goals will happen organically. Um, it's bigger than just profit. So here's what I'm hearing is the number one thing is that when you gave that speech as a child, as a young teenager, you spoke about what came from your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's key. I see so many people, so many different conversations I've been present where we talk about what I read in that book. What did I mm-hmm. hear in that conference? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been to this event. Oh, I've been in that meeting. I've been here, I've seen that, I've done that. And that doesn't create connection. Yeah. Connection is deeply created when we talk about and when we have these conversations that's on your game board. What's your goal? Like, what's your dream? What's your Mm -hmm. purpose? Mm -hmm. And it is hard to actually say that my bigger purpose and the bigger game that I want to play is this, because then if I don't make it, I will look terrible. And we're so attached to results. Yeah, absolutely. You are naming it brilliantly. That's in my language on the bigger game board. That's a comfort zone. Fear mm. of failure. Let me turn it upside on, on its head. Fear of success. I succeeded. Uh oh, I better succeed again. You know, success breeds fear. Is the paradox. You know, it's like, uh oh, I have to do it again. I had a good year. We better do it again. And, you know, in the Wall Street game and the money game and, you know, have to go to the next level. And, you know, the comfort zone of more is better. Who made that up? (laughs) So you're naming a comfort zone, right? And there's what I love about the game board is it's so generic and open at the top that anything can fit in it. Like you just named a comfort zone that you're naming for yourself and other people sort of looking good. That's a comfort zone. Oh, yes. Getting it Right. right. Getting it right is a comfort zone. So I, what I love about the game board is, again, people talk to each other in the workshop and go, okay, well, some, what are your comfort zones? And in this example, Deepa, yours would, one of yours might be, you just named it, is getting it right. Mm-hmm. I need to get it right. And it runs my life. If I don't get it right, I don't want to do it. So I'm going to spend hours analyzing it and make sure that it's perfect before I talk about it. And right, analysis paralysis. And, and then I'll just exhaust my energy and it is no more sustainable. 
Exactly. And you're sort of, the game is lost, right? And so to name that comfort zone, the antidote to that a little bit is another square called compelling purpose. Is the compelling purpose grander than that comfort zone? Rather than trying to minimize that comfort zone, what's more interesting than that comfort zone? Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, in having an impact with your life or saving children in whatever, I'm making them up, but like, you know, Aaron Brockovich is such a great example. The compelling purpose was so grander than any of her internal voices that she just jumped out of bed every day and said, I don't want what I need to do today, but I'm going to go interview these people. You know, and what I love about that story, and it's a great example of the bigger game. If you, you know, go watch the movie again. I'm always telling people, go watch that movie again because she's living it, right? Is she's iterating really fast. She's moving quick. She's trying stuff. She's risking. She knows it's a little edgy because there's another square, which I'll name, called Gulp. G-U-L-P. <laughs> and so, you know, right. so before, yeah, that kind of like hits me to like, Trying stuff and gulp, and so yeah, yeah. It's I like, guess it's that's the energy. The that's yeah, the it's the, it's face. Yeah, there's sort of like a gulp moment, you know, like oh, I don't know if this is gonna work. I don't know, can I really do that or right? And we put it on the game board. Laura and I put it on the game board because there is that quality along the way that if there's if it doesn't have sort of that <sighs> breathless gulpy moment, not all the time, but some of the time, then it's not a bigger game. It's drifting towards the same game. Because a comfort zone is attachment to how we did it last year is how we're going to do it this year. Mm, and I guess the comfort zone is also like succeeding all the time, yeah. just like the last time. I know. And the must succeed. You know, one of, the, one of the concepts, and you and I chatted about it earlier, that we have to learn to be healthier with and be better with is failure and failing. What do we do with that? Like, you know, we didn't make our numbers. We didn't have the impact we wanted. Nobody came to my workshop. What do I do with it? And, you know, do I internalize it? Do I take it personal? I probably will. But then do I have to talk to my coach about it so I can recover? You know, there's so many places to go with it. But I have seen organizationally and team-wise, the teams that have the healthiest relationship with failure and talk about it blatantly and explicitly are the most successful. Hmm. Huh. Closeted failure conversation kills creativity. Brilliant. Like nobody wants, you know what I mean? Like nobody wants to talk about it. Right. Let's put that away. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, let's put that away. Let's, exactly. exactly. Let's not do that retrospective meeting. Right. Let's not right. feel that pain. And exactly. Let's sort of avoid that scary moment, avoid that that shame, like, oh my God, it didn't go right. And and to be really specific great leaders in front of rooms, think about this PowerPoint, they're doing PowerPoint, or they're being in front of a room and quote unquote, they're not having the impact they want to be having. For example, slideshow or, you know, PowerPoint, slide bullet point 82 or 12, and the room is starting to go asleep and they know it, but they don't do anything about it. Right. It was planned. <laughs> right. Stick by but the plan. Right, exactly. That's the comfort zone, the plan. Stay with the plan. Instead of the greatest leaders are the ones that go, oh my God, you guys, I don't mean to, but I, this is boring you. <laughs> I totally, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, let's stop this. You know, actually I have two more slides to get through. Can I just get through them? Right, I mean, it just takes responsibility for that moment. The room goes, oh my God, look at her or him. Like, wow, I'm now back in. <laughs> because they took responsibility for quote unquote the failing that was happening. 
<laughs> That's Wonderful. good leaders. Wonderful. So talk about failures. That's the one thing. What is the biggest challenge you see when you work with entrepreneurs or business owners or just people in yeah. organizations? What is one of the biggest yeah. challenges you've seen when they wanted to go out and play a bigger game? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of in the territory. They, 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 and I'll be a we, I'm just going to be a part of it because I do it too. One of the biggest challenges I keep noticing is the avoidance of judgment. Mm. And, you know, like, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to put my bigger game into the world because the world's going to vote about it. And they're going to think I'm crazy because by the way, when you play a bigger game, the world's probably going to think you're crazy. You know, when you say a big goal or a big game, that's huge. People are like, you know, you're out of your mind. Like I know people in my world and I'll come back to the judgment word, but I know people in my world, their, their bigger game is to end world hunger, to end world hunger. Right. And you know, most people are like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Mm. But they're in it mm. and they bo boldly say, I don't know when it's going to happen because time is not on their mind. They don't care about when they care about commitment to it, but everybody throws on them, you know, well, that's not going to happen in your lifetime. So why bother? And they're like, why bother? It's because it matters to me, you know? And so then they, that's the compelling purpose energy. So the judgment that comes at us when we dare to put our bigger game into the world is huge. Now, here's the paradox. Most of us are running around in our heads wishing the world wasn't judgmental. Like, stop judging me. I know. And the, I, had right? that, I had that moment, you know, a few months before I launched the podcast and I said, what if I don't get it right? What are people going to judge me if I do this episode? What if I say this? But that's not fully structured. That's not fully studied. <laughs> right. I'm just sharing my opinions. Uh, mm -hmm. That's not a model. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> right. am I up and ready for judgment? Yeah. Well, here's the truth. There's no ready for judgment, right? There's no getting ready for judgment, but you've kind of named it. People are judgment machines. The way I like to play this game in this context is like, give them something to judge. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. you might as well show up fully, <laughs> right? And here's the bizarre twist in my life, connecting a dot moment. So I am a very out, but it's not my bigger game or anything, but I'm an out gay man. And, you know, probably about half my country thinks I, that's not okay, right? But when I, when I was closeted, right, creativity was down. I was depressed, you know, closeted self and closed off self, let's call it that, um, is the source of depression. You know, ultimately, it's like shut down energy, right? I can't have the world see who I am because, you know, then I came out, right? In, in classic A-man style, I moved to California, you know, that's what we do. We kind of go West, many of us. It's freer out in the West is sort of the metaphor of the United States, it's made up. It's not real. It's just made up. But then I was out. And then I realized, I mean, first of all, creativity just roared back. I was like, I'm in it. I'm out. Right. Like, and now, you know, and I can hear Henry House saying it to me, show up fully because they're already judging you. So if you show up small, they're going to so judge that. So show up big, <laughs> give them everything you got. Now let's be clear, be responsible about your impact. Doesn't mean you know, you just want to be conscious of your impact, but trying to look good and get it right and make sure that you show yourself perfectly so they don't judge you is an impossible game. It's impossible. So I love that you told on yourself, but you can't get this right. You'll never get it right. Right. And so kind of knowing that you'll never get it perfect, which is the perfection comfort zone. It's like, 
dare to know. My favorite phrase when I train coaches is dare to know things for your client. Don't worry about being right. Thank you so much. So now I have lots to give for people to judge. And for the listeners listening out there, I hope you'll go out there fully and give people something to judge and dare because dare is the way to grow. Yeah. I mean, it's the, you know, and now the game inside of this, and I know we have to bring this to a close in a minute, but it's as people judge us, be open to the judgment coming at you and be with it rather than try to resist it. Be curious about it and go, huh, you think I should be burning in hell? Tell me more about that. Like when people judge me sort of from a religious or a spiritual context as a gay man, I just get wildly curious. I go, I want to know, where did you learn? You know, and they'll go, maybe it was a, you know, a religious book, a Bible or the Quran, who knows? And I'll be like, wow, that's fascinating. You know, and I just, in the fascination, here's the bizarre thing, is where the connection happens. And let Mm. me connect that Mm. dot. Connection is the Mm. path to less judgment. Hmm. That is so true. Close relationships that I see, and I see people make mistakes, and I don't judge them. Because you're connected. Proximity takes away judgment. Yes. Brings up more understanding, more curiosity. The other side of the coin, I want to make sure we're talking a lot about judgment, but there's also a lot of people who are inspired by the things we're doing. So you want to make sure you, you know, like, like, so what inspires you? Like be equally curious about the inspiration side. You know, I feel honored to be on your call today because somehow you found me in some way I show up in the world and you heard about me. And so I'm making up an assumption. There was a little bit of like, oh, this guy's inspiring and I want to talk to him. Of course. Well, you help so many people lead a bigger life. So of course you're inspiring. Yeah. And that inspiration, again, once again, builds a connection. There you go. Take, right. And that inspiration takes away judgment. Yes, exactly. You know, so. So what's one tip that you would give someone who is kind of going gulp with that fear of judgment? Because from that place, curiosity is difficult. Curiosity, because curiosity is the, is the antidote to judgment, right? And it's got to be authentic curiosity. Because it's in that curiosity that connection gets creative and then, and then the judgment sort of goes down. But then the, the doing side is, I know I'm probably repeating myself, dare to show up, give them something to judge. Like, <laughs> you know, like the, like the, the, the Brene Browns of the world, the, the Aaron Brockoviches, these, these people who are daring to make statements to be better humans, better people, better leaders. And they're using their lives as the resource, by the way. And that's very much a part of my other program called Produce You. You are the source of your wisdom. Mm. So in two sentences, can you bottom line say what is Produce You? Yeah. Well, it's a program I created and it's the letter U, Produce mm-hmm. You, right? It stands for kind of university. So it's a year-long event, year-long program. It's for entrepreneurs, coaches, leaders, speakers, people who want to put their message into the world who are closeted. I literally use the metaphor of closeted because I was closeted. So I'm in the business of outing people, putting it into the world consciously through the use of video, podcasts, just like you're doing here. You're a great example of a person who has stepped through and said, I'm going to put my message out there. And what I also love that you've done is you're leaning into other people's messages. So you're, you're creating alignment from other people's messages. You're just, you're not the guru of it. You're the guide of it. You know, so produce you is a year long, like, let's make it real. What's your message? And what I, the key thing to think about in finding your message is the, your life 
is the source of your message. The dark and the light of your life is the source of your message. And people keep looking for the message outside of themselves. And what I love to do is interview them and go, okay, so what happened to your life? What was the most painful thing? What, you know, what do you never want to see happen again? And we find it. And there's usually a philosophical underpinning about what they believe about how life should go. And that becomes their key message. Beautiful. Because people buy our messages. They don't buy our content. They don't buy our resumes. <laughs> Wonderfully said. Just like what you did naturally when you were a teenager, you spoke from your heart. Yeah. You didn't speak yeah. about the content of what happened. What did you do? No, right. Yeah. So thank you so thank much you. for doing the work that you do of helping people find their message from their light and their dark sides. Wonderful. What's your website? Thank you for the messaging marketing moment. I'm thrilled. www.ricktamlin.com. Not complicated. It's my name. R-I-C-K. T-A-M-L-Y-N. Great. Okay. .com. I'll put a link out there. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, you're daring to go out there and start to put a message into the space. That's what leaders are, right? They dare to put the message into the space. And it's an honor to be here. Thrilling to meet you today. I was like, wow, you are a powerhouse. So <laughs> what an honor. Thanks so much, Rick. And before we close this call, What is one final message that you'd like to say? Mm. One of my favorite things is to play with this idea, this just in, you know, this just in, I do it with my coaching clients, this just in, do you want to hear it? So you're kind of asking that, like this just in, this is, this is just in from this week that I've had a very big week, lots of calls with lots of people and team development stuff. Don't overthink it, overcreate it, don't overthink it. Mm. So what I mean by that is create something faster then try to overthink the creation. It's like baking a cake. Don't overthink the ingredients. Just bake the cake. <laughs> you know. Thank you so much. That is You're welcome. like gold, those words of wisdom. <laughs> Don't overthink it. We so overanalyze and overthink everything and want to get it out there perfectly well, so you know that. So great. Thank you very much. So don't overthink it, people. And thanks very much, Rick, for being here with us. It's been a pleasure and thank you for your work in the world too. So we'll see you on the path somewhere. I know we will. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool. <laughs>